Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. So let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. All right. I have explained uh, in this church many times about the influences of culture in our Bible interpretation. So, you have the Western influence. You have the British influence and you have the Roman influence. And because of the largeness of the African church in terms of population and numbers, we have a very African interpretation to our scriptures in modern times. And we need to watch that because most times we try to interpret the scripture to fit our experience as opposed to letting the scripture speak to us. Then, I have also said, the Bible was written for us, but not to us. And that's an important uh, thing to understand when you're reading the Bible. So, for instance, when Paul was writing to the Romans, there were people in Rome that he was writing to. So, you cannot read the Bible without factoring the fact that it was written to a particular set of people. So, the letter to to the Romans was written for you to learn, but it wasn't written to you. Are we clear on that? Are we clear on that? It was, are we clear on that? Okay, it was written to a set of people in Rome who had experiences. Now, because they were Jewish, they understood certain terminologies. They understood certain things because they were Jewish. For instance, in Nigeria, I, I don't know, but uh, again, because of films, uh, Igbo people have a lot of proverbs. There are a lot of proverbs, a lot of proverbs, a lot of proverbs. I, I don't know any proverbs. Um, my people have proverbs, but I didn't hear so many. When uh, an Igbo man or a Yoruba man says a proverb, if you are not Yoruba, Uh, the chances of interpreting that proverb in your own what you think is very high. But if you want to get the meaning of that proverb, you have to ask someone who is Yoruba to interpret the proverb. Are Are we clear on that? The Bible was written in three languages. What you call the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and then you have Greek, and then you have Aramaic. Aramaic was more of what Jesus spoke. And the culture of the Bible is Middle Eastern. It's very Middle Eastern, almost Arabic. That's the kind of culture that the Bible had. So when it talks about heaping coals of fire, uh, let me just backtrack to say this. You do not find anywhere in the scripture where the Holy Ghost fire was meant for the enemies. Let's just lay that basic foundation. Uh, let's release seven fire, let's release Holy Ghost fire. 
is just Pentecostal excitement. There's, there's nowhere in the scriptures where the Holy Ghost fire was used for the enemy. Rather, the Holy Ghost fire is meant for you to purify you from your wicked heart that wants to send Holy Ghost fire to someone. Are we clear on that? If you can find any scripture where the Holy Ghost fire was sent, or you were asked to pray and release it, let me know. But until then, I'm correct. There is a heart posture we have towards our enemies that is unbiblical. And it is because of poverty, economic deprivation, wickedness, movies, and we have formed that image into the scripture. So Paul began to address something in Romans chapter 12. Where we are going to is verse 20, but we will read the whole chapter. Because the whole chapter gives us what? Context. So context is important. So first of all, Paul, turns, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, go to Romans chapter 12. Come with me, Romans chapter 12. Now, it's important to see how Romans 12 starts. It says, therefore, I urge you, right, or I beseech you, or I beg you, okay, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed, verse 2, pay attention to that verse. Do not be conformed, praise God, to this world, but be transformed by what? Hey, let's talk. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Then he says, so that you may prove, pay attention to this, very important, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, it means that if the mind is not renewed, you cannot prove the will of God. Are you there? Okay. So, it tells us two things here. It tells us, first of all, that there is conformation to the world. So, let's use the left. Conform to the world. Right? Then it says, don't be. Don't be conformed to the world but be transformed. He tells us how that transformation happens. He says the transformation is the renewal of the mind. How many of you remember what I used to teach? Imaginary. Let's assume our lead was working. You remember what I taught on Wednesday, right? Spirit. Talk to me if you were here on Wednesday. Spirit. Soul. And body. Where's your mind? Your mind is here. Right. And what did we talk about? The impact of the spirit on your mind? Don't worry, it's working. See it. Right? Your spirit needs to control your mind, not your body. Right? And that whatever the spirit says, what's in your mind is what you interpret it to be. Right? So transformation of... Listen, your spirit is born again, but your soul isn't. Your soul needs to be transformed. Follow me. Are you with me? Are you with me? The transformation of the soul comes by the renewal of the mind. Now, renewal of the mind would mean a different kind of information comes into the mind that's not consistent with what the world feeds it. Do you understand that? 
You understand that? Okay, you didn't. If my mind is renewed, it means that I'm receiving a different kind of information that's not consistent with what my mind had before. Right? Because that renewal means that I'm changing something. Now, until my mind is renewed, I cannot prove the will of God. Because that's what Romans 12, 2 says. By the renewing of your mind, so that. That means the action of mind renewal gives me the ability to prove God's will. Are we together? Okay. All right. That's important. Um, the Kenneth West translation, which is very close to the Greek, puts it this way. And stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you. Right? And is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Then he says, but change your outward expression to the one that comes from within, which means that is powered from the spirit and is representative of your inner being by renewing of your mind, resulting in your putting to test what is the will of God, the good and well-pleasing and complete will, and having found that it meets specification, place your approval on it. Now, God doesn't have three wills. You know, some people say, well, I'm in the good will of God, but not the acceptable will. I'm trusting God for the perfect will. No, God has one will. The will of God is good, it is perfect, and it is what? Acceptable. All right. So, understand the context of Romans chapter 12 starts with mind renewal. That's the foundation. Understand that. Flow with that. Now, let's read on. For through the grace given to me, I say to you, to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each man a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the bodies do not have the same function, praise God, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or who exalts in his exaltation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Then he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Giving preference to one another in honor. How many of you know that all these things that Paul is talking about will take mind renewal? Are you here or you are going home? You are here? How many of you know that as we are seated here, we don't prefer one another? And you know how I know? Do you know how Papa knows? When you were thinking of fanning yourself, did you give the fan to your neighbor? Uh... <laughs> you see, we can't practice Christianity without mind renewal. That's why you need to be born again. 
The average person thinks of himself, even in marriage. Most crises in marriage comes from selfishness. One person is more concerned about their rights, their place, what you owe them, than what they should do to the other person. Be devoted to one another and brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Give preference. Imagine if you were to just think of that all your life. Give preference to one another in honor. But you see, this starts with mind renewal. Let's go on. That's not where we're going today. Then it, it says, Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Did he say you should complain in tribulation? What did he say you should do? I didn't hear you. What did he say you should do? Persevere where? In tribulation. Not complain. Not grumble. Not stop church. Not try to sort things out by yourself. Come on, I need you to pay attention here. Are you following me now? Now go. He says, Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Practicing hospitality. Okay. So, let's go on. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Ah. Rejoicing with those who rejoice will take mind renewal. <laughs> Are you in church today? Rejoicing with those who rejoice will take mind renewal. Because the truth of the matter is that when good things happen to people, we always ask ourselves, why not me? Praise God. You're trusting God for something. You're trusting God for a job. And then you just hear somebody say, praise the Lord. I just got a job. I got three. I don't even know which one to choose. You clap. <laughs> and you're like, God, let me see. We have a talk. Then you start counting, but I pay tithes, but I save. How many of you know that every time you hear somebody's testimony, the first thing that comes in your heart is you want to count all the good things why you qualified for that testimony. That's why sometimes we don't understand how people react. It takes faith to rejoice with those who rejoice, especially when the rejoicing is not from you. Maturity is being able to handle other people's blessings and you don't wish it was you. Tell your neighbor. Say maturity. It's being able to handle my blessings and you don't wish it was you. Praise God. <laughs> I want that to sink in. This thing you are trusting God for. Somebody else has it. And you are more righteous than that person because you are the one that keeps the righteousness book. You're the class monitor. Right? You're more righteous. So what happens? You feel like I should have this. It takes mind renewal to rejoice with those who rejoice. And then weep with those who weep. Alright. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, 
but associate with the lowly. These things will take mind renewal. Don't be haughty. Do we want to associate with the lowly? No. We want to associate with who? Do you want to associate with the lowly? Who do you want to associate with? The rich. Your destiny helper. No, your network is your net worth. So we are looking for high placed individuals. VVIPs. The only time we associate with the lowly is we want to use their, their pictures to raise more money. So as we hand over the bag of rice, we smile. We smile. And then we take those pictures to the high individuals and say, you see, we are feeding the poor. But if we are to, today, the president comes and says, who wants to take picture with us? Ah, see, Christianity is not a religion that satisfies the flesh. It crucifies the flesh. What did I say? Christianity is not a religion that satisfies the flesh. What does it do to the flesh? It crucifies it. It kills it. Associate with the lowly. Be of the same mind. Do not be hot in your mind. Don't be proud in your mind. You can be proud in your mind and be very simple. Your face is humble, but your mind is full of pride. The Bible talks about the proud look. You know, sometimes all this, you know, I just want my space. I just want my space. It's nothing but pride. Because sometimes you feel like you are way better than everyone else. See, these are conversations we need to start having in church because... For us, church is not just a religious gathering. It's where our mind is transformed by the truth of God's word. Don't be proud. Don't be hot in your mind. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Can you see what the Bible is saying? Don't be wise in your own estimation. Everybody is wise and you can see their life is destroyed. That means there's a wisdom that comes from God. Now, let's go on. 17. Never pay back evil for evil to how many people? Hey, hey, this is where we need to talk. To how many people? What will anyone mean? Anyone will be equal to what? Will anyone be equal to everyone? What did the Bible say we should never do to anyone? Do you think, now honest question, okay? This is me and you, God is not seeing us. Do you think there are some people that really deserve to get evil? I raised my leg. There are people in my mind. Those of you who said yes, you are the honest Christians. I will submit your name first to heaven. That's the truth. There are people that I think deserve not just evil. Not, not just evil. Evil is calm. Freemium package evil. Evil that will make them cry. And we'll be looking at them and say, you were touching the anointed. You think we are joking in this church? But the Bible says, listen, it says to anyone, the Bible does not care how much evil they have done to you. It says don't pay back. But God, no, never. What will never mean? Eh? Don't try it. Don't think it. At no time will it be justified. That's never. Never means that there will not be a time where it will be just, But God, you don't understand. It's not justified. That's why in verse 1 and verse 2, it says renew your mind. Because you see what is fighting this truth now? Is your kind of, You know, as I'm teaching now, all the evil people are showing up in your face. I say, don't worry, let pastor finish. I will deal with you people. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why he says you cannot actually walk in the will of God if your mind is not renewed. Because you know what? You will look foolish. And it's this foolishness we don't want to look. 
It's the wisdom in our own estimation. So we see people who walk in love as weak. Alright? So we see people who walk in love as people who are weak. So you start hearing quotes like, you know, when we see people who walk in love as weak, you start hearing quotes like, Christianity is not stupidity. To be a child of God is not foolishness. 3 Corinthians 2.2 some of you are actually turning there. Eh? You've just written your own Bible. The scripture says he was led to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. We have developed a version of Christianity that suits our flesh. So a Christian can carry malice for years and still pray in tongues. Are you hearing this? That is not Christianity. Christianity is never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of how many men? All men. Now pay attention as we read this scripture, pay attention to the times this phrase is repeated consistently by Paul. All men, everyone, anyone. Pay attention to it. Because in, in dealing with this, Paul wasn't just dealing with the Christian community. Remember, he was writing to the, Rome, to, the, to the Romans in Rome who had been set up by Nero. In fact, the Christian community were accused of burning a part of Rome. So there was slander. That's why you discover that in Romans chapter 13 verse 1, Paul teaches them and says, be subject to governing authorities. Because as of the time Paul was writing, the government had lied that it was Christians that burnt a part of Rome. So everybody hated Christians. Of course, if a government lies that we were the ones that caused fire and we're not the ones that caused fire, I'm not going to be subject to them. Paul says in Romans 13 verse 1, all authority is ordained by God. Be subject to governing authorities. Paul calls them that they are the ministers of God. You will need mind renewal. Hating our current president is not Christianity. I know you pretend like you did not hear me, so I'll say it from here. Hating our current president is not what? Is not Christianity. Eh, but are you not seeing the price of dollar? I'm seeing it. But my mind is renewed. That no matter the economic evil, I don't pay back insults. Because eh? for some of you, as the dollar is rising, you are gathering more insults. Now, you see, we might laugh with these things, but this is where Christianity touches us. And how can we now survive? That's why Christianity is grace. Without carrying a Bible, without putting the sticker of your church um, in your car or by your car, people should know this, is, this one is different. The greatest issue we're having today is that the word of God is not final authority in our lives. So there are places we respect the word of God. Philippians 4.19, God shall supply my needs according to his riches in glory. Mm -hmm. No matter how tough things are, a lion will not eat grass. You know, because that's how we quote. We quote Bible, two parables, Bible, mix it. It's just concussion. But this one, say no, we are talking about real life. Somebody cannot try me and get away from me. Go and ask my primary school mates. Why do they used to call me acid? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> acid, I thought you were born again. 
you know, so there is a part of us that love that old nature and we want to hold on to it. We've never seen the beauty of a transformed life. So when you see somebody being able to insult somebody back and there is no restriction, you are happy, you feel like that guy is grooving life. That's why most people don't want to become church workers. You heard me right. They don't want scrutiny. So when I'm a church worker now, they will say, I cannot say this. They say, I cannot say this. In this life. In this life. Yes. Why do people don't want to become pastors? Ah, I don't want to become a pastor. I don't want anybody to, to be looking at me like. What is it you are ashamed of about Christ? What exactly is it? You know that if they give us the opportunity that you can do anything you want to do and still make heaven. Oh boy. <laughs> you know people will just confirm. Say it again. Is it true? You, you just see Bibles flying in the air. Like, thank you, Jesus. We are free. Thank you, Lord. We are free. Some people straight, straight, straight to the beer parlor. Say, let's, take the, let's receive this revelation and we shield beer first. Until Christ is everything to you. You haven't embraced Christianity. That means, Paul says, if eating meat will make my, bod- my brother to stumble, I will not eat meat. You know what Paul is trying to say? This thing is good for me. I like it. But it will affect the fate of my brother. I choose not to do it so that my brother's fate will stand. That is Christianity. Where the word of God can change your desires. Where the word of God can change... Are you following what I'm saying? Can change everything about you. How you use your finances. Where you go. What you say. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right. In the sight of all men. Then he goes on to say, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Observe the word again, all men. But here Paul puts a caveat because if two people are involved, the other person has a role to play. But what Paul is saying is that however it depends on you, as far as it depends on you. So Paul is not, it's not just talking about theoretical relationship because he knows that for certain relationships it's two people involved so if there's going to be peace in this relationship one person has to and i tell people all the time married people all the time the truth of the matter is that it takes two people to for a marriage to work i don't care how one person really wants the marriage to work if the other partner partner doesn't want the marriage to work it wouldn't work why because that's a relationship that needs the collaboration of both people to do what to make it happen but paul says you know what Forget about the other person. As long as it depends on you, how should you be with all men? How should you be with all men? At peace. With how many men? All men. So this is not just your Christian brother. This is not just your tribal people. These are not just your siblings. All men. All men. Then he goes on to say, Never take your own revenge. What did he say? Never. What's the word never? What did I tell you is never? Never, this is my own definition. Never means there will be no time where it will be justified. Don't take your own revenge. Don't take your own revenge. It says, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Now understand this. It does not mean that evil is not judged. Evil is judged, but God says, leave that to me. And you know what? You know what? We don't want to leave that to God because we know and we feel God is very merciful. So we are like, you know what? I know you said we should leave it to you, but, but let me write 
Let me write how the evil will be measured out. You know, if you have two parents, eh? you have one that flogs a lot. That know, you know, there are some parents who know how to flog. Some don't know how to flog. Those that can flog a lot. I know they don't flog children nowadays. Right? When you do something, or you have teachers in school, we had, we had several teachers in school, we had one that can flog very well. Right? My, my a Greek teacher. This message has helped him. Because I've forgiven him. That man can flog. He doesn't flog much. But he knows where, when he flogs you, hmm? your cry is sustained. You know those cries that are sustained? They come gradually, 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 gradually. Then you don't want to cry because there are girls around, you know. Then immediately everybody leaves. You run. And tears of joy begins to comfort. So... When we came late to school, maybe for some reasons, we're fetching water or something, we came late to school, you see him there, you see another teacher there, you see another teacher there, you see all the students. Say, next, they'll be pushing you. You know, just to avoid. Uh-huh. So that's the same way we think about God. That God will not really punish well. So we get acidic prayer points and give to God. If you want to punish that man, do him like this. Let his wife bite dust. Let his children, and then, and all of that. See, you must get to a point in your life where evil and curses and bitterness and anger are not within your spirit. By mind renewal. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. The next verse. It says, but, if your enemy is hungry, (laughs) you see the way you laughed, Come on, somebody. I want us to read this loud and clear. Everyone. But if who is hungry? But if your enemy is hungry, what does the Bible say you should do to your enemy? Talk to me. I want it to sink. I want it to sink. If your enemy is hungry, what do you really want to do? No, 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 no. Not what the Bible says. What, What do you really... In your inside, 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 inside. What do you really want to do? Let him die of hunger. (laughs) or if we are feeding him put small poison inside the food it says if your enemy is hungry feed him wow how many of you know it's going to take mind renewal I can see the reaction Uh, you you can feel like I hope this is not true but this is what the bible teaches child of God this is Christianity If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Wow. Wow. You see why Paul was talking to us about mind renewal? This is serious business. This is why Jesus died. Jesus did not die to kill your enemies. He died to save them. Including the one you don't like. Okay. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Now, this is the interesting thing. It says, for in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that's where people now get the issue. So, what's this thing about burning coals? And that's what I want to explain. What's this thing about burning coals? Then he says, verse 21, he ends that chapter by saying, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you know why he says don't be overcome by evil? How do you get overcome by evil? 
It's when people are so wicked to you, you now become wicked. You know what has happened? You know what has happened? Evil has overcome you. You know people, you know people used to say, they even boast about it. I was not this wicked though. I was not this wicked. But after people dealt with me, I now shine my eyes. And I tell myself, I will be wicked. See, and now I have decided nobody can change my mind. You have been overcome by evil. People can be so bad to you, you become bad. Some of you were not bad before. Evil has hit you. Until now, you have made up your mind. There are people who are not generous anymore. Because they gave to ungrateful people. Now you are the most stingy person ever. You know, people who don't give to church anymore. Because they gave to one false prophet who did something, or they saw one pastor ride one car. And they just decided... I'll give you. Rather, I will carry my tithe. I will go and pay school fees. I will go and feed widow. You know what it's called? It's called misplaced charity, founded by ignorance. There is a portion for widows. There is a portion for your local church. Wisdom demands you don't miss both of them. And your reaction doesn't make your action right. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can choose this morning that I'm not coming here to preach. Instead of preaching to people who, who, who have plotted, I will go to the, to the orphanage home and go and preach to them. It doesn't mean God will reward me. I'm called to pastor this church. This is my responsibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Misplaced charity is not charity. It's an exercise in futility. That's why Jesus said, what you are to give to your parents, don't say it's, it has been given to God. It's because it's misplaced charity. What, what Christ is trying to teach is this. For every finance you have, there is a portion for God, there is a portion for your parents, there is a portion. And it's not about justifying. Maybe I'll take time to teach on that when I teach on giving. He says, what is meant for your parents? Say, don't give it to God. And say, oh, I'm giving it to God, so I can't take care of my parents. You know what he said? He said, you make the word of God of no effect by your tradition. Which means you are trying to justify why you should not look after your parents. In the same vein, what belongs to God should not be given to anyone else because you are trying to justify an experience. You see, mind renewal simply means that I respect the truth regardless of how I feel. Are you still here? So he says, do not be overcome by evil. Now, if, if he says do not be overcome by evil, it means it's possible for someone to be overcome by evil. It's a possibility. He says, but overcome evil with good. Now, interestingly, Paul was quoting the Old Testament. And I've told you, Every doctrine must be established from both the old and the new. You cannot use one verse of scripture to establish a doctrine. So where was Paul quoted? Um, in in, in uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 19. Paul was actually quoting the book of Proverbs. Alright? So let's, let's go there. Paul was quoting Proverbs chapter 25. So come with me to Proverbs 25. Are you still here? I can't hear you. Are you here? Are you learning something? Is this changing your mind? Mm. I know it's tough. But tough things mature us. <laughs> Praise God. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 21. This is actually where Paul was quoting. And that's why I've said many times that in the, new, in the Gospels, when they say the Scriptures, the Scripture is actually quoting the Old Testament. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he's thirsty, 
give him water to drink. Next verse. Verse 22. It says, For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, observe something. The Lord will reward you when you do what the Lord says. How will the Lord reward you? If you do good. Now, what's this burning coals? What's this burning coals? In ancient Israel, there are three theological interpretations to it. Uh, um, there, there are three major theological interpretations to it. One of them is like an allegoric interpretation, which talks about burning coals as a purifying, um, purifying agent. You know, Isaiah, God touched his, his lips with fire. Matthew, Jesus says, I'll purify you with fire. So some theologians feel that what Paul was referring to is that by the time you do this, you know, that action sends a message to them that purifies them and all that. It, it, it's okay if you want to interpret it like that. But actually, though olden days with Israel, they used coals for fire. Alright? They used coals for fire. So, uh, if, you, if you grew up in the village, you would understand this very easily. How I many of you grew up in a village where if you needed to set fire, they would ask you to go to somebody fire that was already good then you do what then you collect coal mm -hmm. that's why if you don't grow up in the village someday bible will not make meaning to you you have to go to the village all right okay yeah so now if you ever did that we were always told that when you collect that coal of fire when you are walking always make sure right you you fan it right or you are just to make sure that that emblem is on it right so we had one fry pan like that, old fry pan that my mom wasn't using, that's when we used to go and collect coals. So when we collect the coals, we'll be doing it like this, so that as air is passing through it, it keeps it going. Now, in ancient Israel, they had something they used to carry, alright? And so they could do other things, and they put the coal of fire. So what he was trying to tell them is this. And for that, it was basic survival, that if you did not have the coal of fire, you will not be able to cook, you will not be able to eat, you will not be able to um, do anything for your family. So what Paul was trying to tell them is, that, you know what? This basic thing this person needs to survive, give it to them, minister to them, and God will reward you. And some translation says, by that act of mercy, their conscience will be pricked. Because the Bible says consistently, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Have you read that? The Bible says it's the what? The goodness of God that leads to repentance. What Paul was trying to teach them is your own goodness that provides that basic instinct to that person is the thing that will lead to repentance and that's why the Lord will reward you because you're not ministering evil to the people who are doing evil to you. So the call of fire is not that when you do evil, God will put fire on their head when you do good. So some people now do good with that motive. And I'll tell you something. Immediately you are doing good with that motive, you violated the scripture. Because he says before that verse, let love be without hypocrisy. And if you're ministering out of somebody because you feel if you do this, you know, coal of fire will be heaped on their head. Then you keep doing good. Your motive has corrupted your action. In Christianity, motive is what? Is big. Alright, so um, Samuel West talked about this in 1893 with the, the West translation. 
Let's look at a couple of scriptures again from the Old and the New Testament that talks about our attitude to our enemies so that we can put all of this in context. Because the Bible, I've always said in Bible interpretation, the Bible will be consistent in its truth. So let's go to Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Are you with me? Are you with me? Say amen if you're here. All right, Leviticus. So the cause of fire has nothing to do with if you do good to your enemy, um, you know, there'll be... You know, fire burning. You're going to burn them. You know, actually what prompted this in my heart was I, I heard someone teach that. Right? That see, if people are wicked to you, do good to them. You will heap coals of fire on their head. So it's more like a revenge mission. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. And that's why you find that Leviticus 19, come with me to verse 18. Can everybody say this? God help me to work in love. Say it one more time. Say, God help me to work in love. And you know, you can only walk in love when you know that God loves you, right? Rooted and grounded in the love of God. Okay, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Don't bear grudges. Don't bear grudges. Hatred grows just as love grows. Praise God. Now come with me to Matthew 22. I hope this is blessing you. Matthew 22, verse 36. And I'm telling you, there are people that will offend you. You know, Joseph brothers, right? You know Joseph brothers? <laughs> Joseph called them and said, don't worry, what you intend for evil, God turned it around for good. And he loved them. You know, when you read that story, you know, when I was reading that story as a, as a little boy with uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses' book of Bible story, as I was reading that story, I was waiting. When, you know, if you read the book of Bible story, you know that there was a... Uh, that Benjamin cop and everything. I was waiting. You know, it's like a movie. Last fight. You're waiting for what Joseph was going to do. See how Joseph forgave them. We haven't taught on love as much as we should in the body of Christ. The love of God. The God kind of love. Not the love that today you're working in love. Tomorrow, working in hatred. That love that flows out of the innermost being through the renewed mind. Matthew 22, 36. Let's read this. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Lord? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God. Now, this is an interesting passage of scripture. Everybody look at it. How did he say you should love the Lord your God? With all your what? With all your what? And with all your what? Can you see loving the Lord with your mind there? What's, what constitutes your mind? Remember the soul remains, right? Your will, your emotions, all those dimensions in your soul. Love the Lord with your emotions. Love him with your mind. Don't just love him out of your spirit, your heart, your soul, your mind. You love the Lord with all your soul. You love the Lord with all your heart. You love the Lord with all your mind. That's why as Christians, even intellectually, we can use our mind to love God. Christianity is not just for the, 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 the people who we, seem, who we think are dull. 
No. The Bible talks about being able to give a defense for your faith. That's why sometimes it doesn't make sense when we think, you know, the brightest amongst us should not be ministers of the gospel. Right? The brightest amongst us should not be ministers of the gospel. That, oh, people who are ministers of the gospel should be people who are looking for jobs. No. There's a place of loving the Lord with your mind. Praise God. Are you still here? Alright. Next verse. Then he says, the second, praise God, this is the great and foremost commandment, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40 says, on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Verse 38, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophet. So he says, all the commandments, all the commandments, the law and the prophet is on the law of command. Okay. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Just some few verses back. Verse 21. Matthew 18. What should we do to our enemies? Matthew 18. Verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason, praise God, the kingdom of God of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slave. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents brought, was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children, and all that he had a repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, I'll repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. He seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then someone in him said to him, You are a wicked slave. I forgave you all that day because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I've had mercy on you? And the Lord was moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brothers from your heart. It tells you the point of forgiveness. That do it from your heart. How is it that we're able to minister to our enemies? And walk in love towards those who hate us. It's one condition. Remember the love that God has for you. It's simple. That if we have received forgiveness from the Lord, it will be easy. If you consider what the Lord forgave you of, it will be easy to forgive someone else. That's why I say you cannot walk in love if you do not understand the love of God. If you are not rooted and grounded in the love of God. And believers, we need to understand the love of God. Listen to me. The greatest show of love for us is on the cross. That if Jesus could die on the cross, redeem us from, from, from um, iniquity, forgive our trespasses, then there's no one we cannot forgive. I was watching this true life story of a young boy, um, a brother, 
um, two boys and someone shot the boy, the, 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 the younger brother. Someone shot the younger brother and they were, you know, in court uh, on the case. And they, they spoke to the brother who, you know, shot, whose brother was shot and said, oh, do you have some final words? And, and the boy said, well, I know even my family will not agree with this. Uh, I know a lot of people will not agree with this. But the boy said something. He says, but I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a child of God. He says, I just want to let, and then he talked to the, the guy who shot his brother. He said, I just want to let you know that I don't have anything against you left for me. I would not even want you to go to prison. I forgive you and just know that I don't hold anything against you because that's what the word of God teaches me to do. Then he asked the judge, can I just hug him? You know, and then he, he just hugged <laughs> I know some of you are saying, <laughs> ah, shoot my brother, my only brother. You see, you see, the truth of the matter is we have not allowed the word of God to dictate how we live. So you know how we live? Selective scriptures. If this one suits my flesh, it's fine. This one does not suit me, forget it. To look at someone who shot your brother in the eyes and say, you know what? I don't even wish that this guy goes to prison. That is a Christian. I want that to sink. Because, you see, many times, and that's why our faith is not producing to the maximum. There are hot grudges, bitterness in our heart that we carry along. Offended at this, offended at this, upset at this, mad at this. I mean, all kinds. And our prayers are out of... You see, even when we're praying for God to bless us, for some of us, it's not really the blessing we need. We just need God to do something in our life so that somebody else somewhere is, you know, is pepper them, God, this blessing will come, it go loud. It, you know, it's... It's... You know, sometimes, I, I must say this in my heart, sometimes... I don't really like talking about the increase and the blessings of God, not because they are not in the scriptures, but I just feel that, you see, for some of us, it's more about what God will do for us to show other people that we are Christians. Can I, can I ask you a very simple question this morning? If God does not do anything for you for the rest of your life, would you still serve Him? Do you really love God or you just want to use Him to have a good life? If you don't get married... If the baby doesn't come, if the car doesn't come, is this thing about what God can really do for you or you really love God? That's why sometimes it's difficult for us to obey God. Because our concept of God is, you know, do this for me. Okay, if you cannot do this for me, since you are saying you cannot bless me, kill this person for me. What exactly can you do? Can you kill or can you bless? Do something. So we can boldly stand on the altar and say, praise the Lord. After the last convention, when I prayed, my uncle died. So, you have a widow. You have children that don't know how to go to school. You have fatherless kids now that don't know how to process grief. And you've just shared a wonderful testimony of how good your God is by taking two people out of the scene. And then you finally got your promotion. And what was the promotion? Extra 200,000. So extra 200,000 was what? The life of someone with potentials, with ability. I agree it was wicked. I agree it was a cultist. I agree it was a witch. 
with chances of repentance, we don't care about that. He can as well just go to hell. But now, I've got 200,000 extra. To do what? To buy Pringles. And how big is our God? So the proof of my anointing as a pastor is how many people I kill. So I can say, praise the Lord, you don't know the kind of anointing of my life. When we are trying to do this thing, they say we will not do this. Six people die. Say, wow, papa. And it shoots our flesh because it makes us look powerful. I've never cursed anyone who left our church. Never. And I've always wanted them to do well. And I'll never. Bitter water and sweet water will not come from the same stream. What use, what use is it to me that you left this church and you're suffering? You can't pay your children's school fees. You are homeless. What, what joy would that bring that the fact that you left, things are bad for you? How does that give me joy? Even if I was not a pastor, don't I have compassion? We've, we've developed Christianity to the point where even the most humane of compassion has been taken away from our hearts because of wrong doctrines. You know, the people who've left this church because they say we don't pray, we don't know how to pray. And I can understand with them. Because sometimes when you walk into our church praying, you feel that we are not praying. Hmm? Because if the prayer does not produce sweat, if we are not spitting on each other, right? If your head is not bouncing, fire, 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 we are not praying. Because we don't testify of people that died. Because God asked us to raise the dead. Saints, check your heart. Check your heart. Feed your enemy. Not feed the one that is good to you so that your enemy will know that. You see what? If you were not my enemy, I would have fed you. But I will feed this one to show you. <laughs> you know, we know how we can walk around these things. <laughs> is somebody getting blessed? Yeah, I know this kind of hot message when there is no AC. Matthew 5. Forgiveness. And you know, Peter was very direct. Peter asked Jesus direct questions. We have left everything to follow you. What shall we get? It's not, Peter was not a hypocritical Christian. He asked direct. See, he came to Jesus. See, my brother is offending me. Did you say seven times so that I will just count? Number one, number two, number three. Then Peter said, last chance. That's why I know God. You know, if God, did not, if God wasn't patient with Peter, you know, I, I, let me put it this way. The, the problem we have with God is the patience of God. God is too patient. Do you understand? So we just, we just know that, okay, if we leave these people to God, when he says vengeance is mine, you say, no, you are too patient. But you know, the Bible says, God is not slow as others count slowness. He is actually waiting for people to repent. Because I tell every one of us seated here, if God were to punish us for the evil we committed, most of us would not be seated in this church today. You would have been gone long ago. In fact, they would have forgotten that you existed. But it's quick to forget how God forgave you. And so sharp for you to release arrows. Hmm? So see our prayer points today. Back to sender. 
Hmm? We have prayer points that are very hot. <laughs> Somebody now say, hey, but what about if you have an enemy? Can't you read? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. What's difficult in that? It says I will repay. You do your part. Just don't worry. See, will God not judge evil? He will. But your own part is to walk in love. Amen. Alright. Matthew chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Verse 44. Are you there? Thank you, Jesus. Are you here? Say amen if you're here. Matthew 5, 44. Um, verse 43. Let's start reading from verse 43. But you have heard it was said. Talking about the Old Testament. And it's very important that we must understand that the Old Testament is different from the New Testament and Jesus paid the price on the cross. You know, I, I was talking to someone the other time. I was talking about certain Bible doctrines. So I just asked him a simple question. I said, did the coming of Jesus make any difference? It's important that we understand that the coming of Jesus made a difference. Praise God. We must understand that the coming of Jesus made a difference. So it says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Is this what we practice today? Let's be honest. Is this what we practice today? We love our neighbors and we do what? Hate our enemies. What did Jesus say? Verse 44. But, does that word cancel the first st statement we're talking about? Cancels it. But I say to you, praise God, love your enemies. What did Jesus tell us to do to our enemies? Everybody, shout it loud and clear. What did Jesus say we should do to our enemies? Love, love your enemies. And what did he say we should do to them when we pray for them? Pray against. Pray for. Would for be positive? That's important. That word is important. F-O-R. That's important. That's an important word right there. Gives meaning to the type of prayer. So if I am praying where my enemy is concerned, the prayer should be for. That's interesting. Pray for those who persecute you. He didn't say pray against. He said pray for. And, and can I tell you how Jesus prayed for those who persecuted him? Who killed him on the cross? What's the prayer of Jesus on the cross to those who killed him on the cross? Father, do what? Forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. Did they know? <laughs> Did they know? They knew. In the natural, they knew. Because their eyes were blinded. That's why the greatest prayer you should pray for your enemy is salvation. Because if he's saved, he wouldn't do what he's doing. He will walk in love the way you're walking in. Now, how do we know that you can pray that prayer? Take some few passages down the scripture in the book of Acts. Stephen was being stoned to death. Remember, Stephen was not a first apostle, was not one of the apostles of a lamb. You know, was picked from the Jerusalem church. And they were stoning Stephen to death. Saul was there. What did Stephen pray? You don't know what Stephen prayed? Huh? What did Stephen pray? The same prayer. Do not do what? Count 
this charge against them. Let me show you. Acts chapter 7. Come with me. Just a few moments, I'll be done. Verse 58. When they have driven him out of the city, Stephen, they began stoning him. And the witness laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Look at this. They went on stoning Stephen as he, as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He was at the point of death. And in those days, if they stoned you, they ensured that you died. Remember, who was holding the, the garments of those that were stoning? Saul. Saul. What would you have done when you see somebody holding the garment of those killing you? You make sure that the cause reached to them. Say, even though you, you are not stony, it will reach you. <laughs> but look at what he says. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Let's be honest. If people were stoning you to death and you could pray one last prayer, do you think this is the prayer you're going to pray? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine the last words of Stephen was looking unto God and saying, don't hold this sin against them. The last word he uttered was for God to forgive those who were killing him. And meanwhile, the young man who was holding the robes of those who were, ki who were killing Saul was going to be the foremost apostle of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the scriptures was in him. Timothy, mentoring Timothy was in him. Titus was in him. Right. Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. The book of Hebrews is locked up in this murderer. But thank God, this murderer encountered a true Christian who prayed forgiveness for him. Thank God this murderer was not in our days. He could have, arrows would have been sent to him. The man would have died with two-thirds of the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, your enemy is not God's enemy. I don't care what they've done to you. Jesus hung on the cross for every soul in this world. Eight billion people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And no matter the crime, no matter the wickedness, if anyone will lift his voice and say, Jesus, I am sorry, forgive me. There's no sin that the blood cannot cleanse. There's no wicked man that the blood cannot forgive. And you know what? We better get on the same page with God. God is more interested in forgiving that wicked person than getting a new car to you. Say amen. amen. Can we pray this prayer today? They are not even stoning us to death. You just heard somebody said something. You have released arrow. You didn't even confirm. Ah, they just said that. They, what did they say? Wait, every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I condemn. That tongue, it will, it will enter inside. <laughs> when you hear our prayer point, even God is shocked. Like, ah, ah, who will answer this? And you know, let me tell you something. We are creators. Our words are powerful. When we release God's words, death angels act on those words on the life of people. Praise God. Will people pay for their wickedness? Yes. But that's determined by God. Not you. Are you getting blessed? Let's finish this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Are you here? Okay. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Look at this. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. He said, this is what qualifies you to be your father's son. 
for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. He says, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That word perfect there in the Greek is matured. He says you are to be matured even as your heavenly father is matured. First John 3, come with me, verse 14. So maturity is walking in love. He says, when you love those who are unlovable, you are like your father. First John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out from death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. How do we know we're born again? We're walking in love. Praise the name of the Lord. We're walking in love. And I'm talking about loving those who are unlovable. I'm sorry, loving those who are lovable. I'm talking about loving the unlovable. Child of God, this is what you set us apart. Forgiving the most heinous crime from our hearts. From our hearts. Walking in the love of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's read one more scripture. First uh, Peter. And Peter talked about this, right? Peter talked about that we have been called to inherit a blessing. And therefore, we are not to curse. Now, um, just give me a moment here. The truth of the matter is that if we receive the love of God, we can give the love of God. That's the key. If we receive the love of God, we can give the love of God. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. I think we can close there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Peter 3, 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you here? Are you, are, you, are you getting blessed? Is there something to work on for the rest of your life? <laughs> ah, somebody says it's difficult. Welcome to the club. Praise God. First Peter 3. To sum it up, all brother, all of you must m be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. Hmm. Insult for insult. They insulted you. Then you give it back to them. Hey, don't do it. Don't do it. Say, don't return insult for insult. <laughs> ah, we had a guy in my class there. We didn't even know. I mean, it's getting older now that I just saw that we're even fooling ourselves. When somebody insulted us there, we tell him that he should give us something to insult. He would go and carry some big English. They had a dictionary. He would just say, give me, give me, give me this evening. We'll go home. Write some very big words. Whether what we were saying was even correct, or we didn't know, but he was a go-to man. Eh? Some of you, when you are insulted, you wait. You look for the one that will really pain the person. Then you release it. Sometimes if you don't do it, you do it on your status. Because the person will view it. Put it there. Look for a quote that is very direct. The person will know. Then you write, to whom it may consign. If it consigns you, take it. If it does not consign you, leave it. How will you live the rest of your life on this low plane? People are thinking of taking the world. People are changing lives. People are building orphanages. People are sending children to school. People are building schools. People are thinking of changing the course of nations. You are exchanging insults on your WhatsApp status. How low can you live? How low can you get? With everything on the inside of you, you are using your one life to fight one person. What, 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 what could be more a definition of a wasted life? 
8 billion people in the world who need the message of Christ. Churches to be built. Nations. Economies to restore. Companies to build. You succumb to living a life of trading insults. All your intelligence is to reply someone. What can be the definition of a low life? Why not we become examples of love? Why not we live a higher life that people aspire to? How can you quarrel with your wife every day? What kind of life is that? Looking for battles. I said this true. In my life, when my grandfather raised me, my first father who died before the other one who has died, he tells me when they put a shoe here, the shoe must be here and you are breathing. Your children have started escaping. Say, I am telling you now because by the time I finish, it will not be only a matter of shoe. People will wonder if I am a man. Your mates are employing 100 people. Reading papers, analyzing data. You are in the house, breathing over shoe. A time will come in your life. You tell them, eh, if you like, put the shoe here. If you like, put it here. If you like, put the shoe here. Life will go on. My voice you will not hear. Why? There are higher things to aspire in life. And the enemy knows if you are picky, he will set up someone. Oh, you will always find something out of order. Breeze will come and turn the shoe. You will now shout and shout and shout and shout. They will now say, oh, nobody was at home. Oh, say, hey, you both have told me since now. <laughs> Tell yourself, I will live for the higher things in life. Say one more time. Say, I will live for the higher things in life. I'm too high to walk in hatred. I'm too high to walk in unforgiveness. There's too much in my life to walk in bitterness. Live for the higher realm of life. Look at what Peter says. He says, not returning insults for insults. He says, but giving a blessing instead. Hallelujah. Give a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. He says, you were called to inherit a blessing. Don't come down to this low level. Child of God, don't practice this African Christianity. It's not worth it. It's not biblical. Stop all those prayers. Stop releasing fire. If we need the fire at all, it's for us to go and do the greater works of Christ. If we need the fire at all, it's for us to be baptized so that many can come to Christ. Let's, let's, let's leave this lower realm. Let's leave this practice of Christianity. Let's go to bed knowing that our heart is free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Today, do something you've never done before. Bless someone who you consider an enemy. Just do it. And let me tell you the easiest way to do it. Send them a recharge card. So they won't think and feel like, oh, you are trying to bribe them to come and love you. But I need you to do it. Anybody you really, really think, like this guy, I'm done. Practice it today. Just say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Don't call them. Don't do it. Just say, I bless you. Pray for them. I pray that God will bless you. Send them a recharge card. 500, 100 naira, something. Act on it. Don't raise your hand because I wanted to say how many of you will practice that. So we don't know how many of you have enemies. Let's assume we're all enemy free. But do you get what I'm saying? Let's act on the word. I know you will feel like, mm, but let's act on it. 
Are you, saying, are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's act on it. We will live the higher life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the instruction that comes from your word. Lord Jesus, we ask today that you would help us by the Spirit and by your grace, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be able to bless our enemies, be able to respond the way Jesus will respond in the midst of tough and difficult times. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.